First Kings 19. <laughs> My God, don't you love him? Elijah had run from Jezebel, yeah. thought he was alone as the man of God preached today, but he was not alone. Isn't it interesting how deadly isolation is on the psyche? He thought he was alone. The Lord shows up. I love the way the Lord shows up because he shows up in the wind, but the Bible says he wasn't in the wind. The type of wind that was breaking rock, but he wasn't in the wind. He shows up in a fire, but the Lord said he wasn't in the fire. An earthquake comes. He said it wasn't in the earthquake, but then a still small voice come. Isn't it interesting that the Lord brought him back to the very place where he started with his voice? You call down fire, but I need you to get back to my voice. You moved in power, but I need you to get back to my voice. And so there he is. And the Lord says, listen, I'm about to alleviate some pressure off of you. I want you to go anoint a few people, one of which is Elisha. And in verse 19, we pick up, the Bible says, so he departed from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was still plowing with 12 pair of oxen before him. He was plowing. And he was with the 12th. The interesting thing, the, 12, the number 12 appears both times here. It's an apostolic symbol. It's a symbol of a person who's going to be a, 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 um, a, a, uh, a territory taker, a plower, somebody who's going who's gonna, to who's gonna plow into new territory, new things. The Bible says Elijah passed over to him and he threw his mantle on him. And the Bible says, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. I want you to understand something. In those days, if somebody had 12 yoke of oxen, they were wealthy. They were wealthy. He was out, he was plowing land that they owned, and he had 12 oxen. If you had 12 oxen, that means you had a lot of land to plow. And he's out there with the, with, with the, with the oxen, and he's plowing, and the Bible says the man of God comes by, and there's no conversation. He didn't have to convince him to step into the ministry. He's not trying to tell him about all the benefits. He's not uh, prophesying over him and telling him what a great destiny he has. He just takes his mantle and he throws it over him. And while he's under there, Elisha must have felt something that was so significant. And the Bible says he left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, listen, please, let me just kiss my mother and my father, and I will follow you. What, 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 could, have, what could he have felt in this mantle to say, I just got to kiss them goodbye. I got to go wherever you're going, I'm going. What, what could he have carried in this, in this mantle that would so upset this man's life that he was willing to leave an inheritance? He, he, he was willing to leave an inheritance from a wealthy man. He, he found something that was so powerful, so significant that wealth didn't even mean anything to him. 
He said, I, I just need to kiss them. I'm willing to go. I just need to kiss them goodbye. And the Bible says, he said unto him, go back again, for what have I done to you? Let me explain something to you. Whenever God calls you, there is always a hunger test to see how hungry you really are. He casts a mantle over him. The power of God hits him. He has decided, I got to go. And the man of God said, what are you doing? Go back. You've got to decide what you really want. You have to decide what you really want. He's saying, go back. Listen, you got a good life. You've got a good life. You're set up. All you got to do is wait. You're walking into inheritance. You've got a great family. You guys, you can establish yourself. You can be a notable man in history. You can be a notable man in your country. People will know who you are. You've got to just go back. It's easy to choose going back. But Elijah said, I, I felt something. You, you, have you ever encountered God in a way that ruined you? I, I mean ruins you. Ruins you. It, re- it wrecks you. It ruins you for anything else. You, I, 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 you, can, you can do this and get a million dollars. That's good, but listen. Man, I encountered Jesus. I encountered Jesus. And I don't have to give up money with Jesus. I can still be wealthy, but no sorrow with it. No sorrow. The Bible says he cast his mantle over him, and the encounter, listen to me, the encounter with the power of God forced him into a position to choose which life he was going to walk into. Because all of us have to choose. You're going to have to decide what you really want. You're going to have to decide what you really want. I was listening to um, a story uh, about Kenneth Hagin. And this man, this man went to Africa. He's a, he's a preacher. He went to, uh, he was in Africa. Kenneth Hagin came there, mighty man of God, generational leader. And he's there. And this man hears that he's there. And he said, I must meet him. They said, listen, that's not, that's not possible. He said, you don't understand. I have to meet him. I'll do whatever it takes to meet him. And you're not going to stop me from meeting him. So when, they, when, when Kenneth Hagin heard about his tenacity, he allowed him to come. Well, there were some other friends that heard that he was meeting with Kenneth Hagin, and they said, we're going too. So they all go to meet with Kenneth Hagin, and they sit down, and Kenneth Hagin says, hey, thanks for coming. Why are you here? What do you want? And one of the men speaks up, and he says, hey, I want permission to distribute your videos in, in, in this nation in Africa. He said, okay, done. Next man says, well, he says to him, what do you want? Well, I want permission to distribute your magazines. We want to set up uh, your magazines to sell them here in, in Africa. He said, sure, done. He turns to this other man. He says, what do you want? He says, I want everything that makes you you. <laughs> Kenneth Hagin said, what would you say? He said, I want everything that makes you you, all of the stuff inside of you that makes you unique, I want. He said, huh. So he calls in his assistant. He says, this man wants to distribute magazines, set up the licensing, uh, work with him, let him distribute magazines. Other one, he wants to uh, distribute videos, help him set him up, we're going to let him distribute videos. Then he asked those two to leave. 
And the man said, the last thing I remember was Kenneth Hagin saying, in the name of Jesus. He said, I woke up on the floor. And the man of God was over me praying, crying out to God. All that you put on the inside of me, release unto this man. The question is, what do you want? At the end of the day, what do you want? I'm not talking about what you say you want. What do you really want? What are you willing to pay a price for? Because Elisha paid a price to follow Elijah. Let me help you. Elisha, the Bible says that he, he follows him, right? Um, so he returned from him following and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the, uh, the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate, they arose. Then he arose and, and followed Elijah and ministered to him. Watch this. And Elisha disappeared in scripture. We don't even see Elisha until Elijah is about to be taken. We, we don't see him. The question is, are you so hungry you're willing to disappear? The, the problem we have in our generation is everybody wants to be notable. And so you won't even sit under a pastor long enough to be trained. I'm just going to start my own YouTube ministry. I'm going to start on Facebook. I want to be recognized. I don't need you to license me. I'll go online. I'll print out my own license. I'll marry who I want to. I'll be a notable minister. But, but do you have the maturity to disappear? Do, do you have the maturity to become invisible? Can, can, can you be invisible? I prayed tonight. I said, God. I said, God, glorify your name. I don't care if they remember me. Glorify your name tonight. I don't need them to remember Clayton Philip Anderson. I, rem I need to remember that night I encountered Jesus the Christ. I, I met him. I, I was there. I he touched my life. I, I, I want to be invisible. I want to be invisible. Can, can you handle disappearing in ministry? If you leave here, you can drive down the street and you're going to pass 5, 6, 7, 15, 20, 35 churches because people can't disappear. So I got to compete because I didn't agree with you on this and I didn't agree with you on that. And God, no, I, can, I pray just like you do and I love God just like you do and I don't need to follow you. I, I, my pastor told me not long ago, somebody came to him and said, I need to be preaching just like you and such and such are. And, and, and I don't need to be here. I need to be doing my own thing. And this is the attitude of a modern generation who does not understand. You don't get to God like that. You don't get promotion like that. The Bible says Jesus. The son of God made himself of no reputation. He made himself clothed in glory, but he said, I'll take it off. I'll, I'll strip myself. And this is the reason why the Bible says he was anointed without measure. He went low enough that God said, I can trust you with more. I can trust you with more than any other man. I can, you can handle it because you've emptied yourself. Can you disappear? Can you? Can you? Can you disappear? Do you have to be known? Do you have to be seen? Do, you, do they have to praise you? Do you? Does your name have to be in lights? Man, listen to me. God 
is not dropping mantles on those that are vying for the stage. You, you can hang it up. It's not coming to you. The Bible says he will share no, his glory with no man. He's not going to compete with you. But if you have settled in your heart, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. If you've decided, God, I, I don't mind being invisible. I need to be trained. I need to be developed. I, I'm, I'm a mess like this, but I'm willing. I, I need to be sharpened. I need to be taught how to live this. I need to be taught character. I was telling my dad the other day when he was driving, I said, sometimes there are people in God who have grown to a level where they don't feel like they need leadership anymore. God's using them. They're seeing miracles. They're seeing signs. Their ministry's growing. And now they've reached the upper echelon of ministry. And they think they don't need to be submitted to somebody. The problem is, listen, God sometimes, listen to me, God will sometimes, he will sit you below somebody who's more gifted than you to teach you character. He'll, teach, he'll sit you below somebody less gifted than you and say, I want you to watch how they serve. I want you to watch how they love. I want you to watch their integrity. I want you to watch their character. Watch how they serve people. Watch how they sit in the back. Watch how they're not glorifying themselves. Yes, they're not as gifted as you, but look at how they operate. Look at how they're waiting to see, God, what is it you want me to do? They're not competing with me. The Bible says that he disappeared. We don't even see him. We don't see him. There's nobody celebrating him following Elijah. There's no party because he gave up everything. Because God says, if you can handle what I do in secret, I'll show the world openly what I've been doing with you in private. If you can handle disappearing, if you can handle being in secret, if you can handle the closet. if you Listen, if you can't handle being in, in the closet when God is rebuking, how can you handle being in the public limelight? There are people that are preaching in pulpits. It's evident they've had no rebuke. You can't handle no. You can't handle boundaries. And you want fire. And you want healing. You want God to give you a healing ministry. To exacerbate your ego. He disappears. Somebody say he disappeared. We do not see him. But the Bible says he became the minister to Elisha. Second Kings chapter 2. He became a minister. He became a minister. Do you know the word minister actually speaks of subservient? Everybody wants to be a minister until they hear they realize you got to serve. Everybody wants to be an apostle nowadays. Everybody wants to be a prophet until you find out. The Bible says the apostles and prophets are the foundation. That God built the church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. If you're the foundation, that means you get walked on. 
that means that there are some times when you have to endure quietly, but you say, God, I love you too much to make myself right in this situation. I love you too much to embarrass you. I'm right, they're wrong, but I'm not going to make this public because I don't want to embarrass the name of Jesus. And you have enough maturity. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. Second Kings. Second Kings. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by war, went by heaven, to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, as you yourself live, I will not leave you. I found something in you. <laughs> when you found me, I was just plowing oxen. I was rich, but I had no purpose. I had no idea where I was going. I will not leave you. Some of us have abandoned purpose, offended with leaders, that we expected to be perfect, but they're human. Isn't it interesting that God calls Elisha to follow a man that just failed? He just failed. And God says, now follow him so you can learn how you bounce back. Follow him so you can learn. We don't have no resilience because we've never been through anything because every time something happens, we leave. Every time something happens that makes life difficult, we bow out. He says, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. Watch this. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? He said, yes, I know. Peace be said. Shut up. You, you mind the business that don't pay you. You're, you're, you're in, in the wrong business. Notice that the people that are talking to him are not worldly people. These are the religious people. These are the seasoned prophets that are now telling him that the Lord is about. They're tell, what are they trying to tell him? He's saying, you're following him, but something's about to be taken from you. This pursuit is not going to end well, is what they're telling him. It don't take all that. You can hang out with us. Let the man go. Everything's going to be all right. Isn't it interesting that they're prophetic enough to know what's about to happen, but they're not spiritual enough to be a part of what's about to happen? You, you, know, you know the great enemy that we face uh, stepping into the more? Satisfaction. When you're spiritual enough to hear God, now you're so spiritual that you can't follow. You, you're missing a move of God because you've grown up. <laughs> These are the prophets. Elisha said to him, Elisha, please stay here. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. He said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master? That it's the people of God 
that are trying to talk him out of going further. It does not take all that. Why are you fasting? It does not take all that. Why are you praying that long? It does not take all you at church all day. Why would you go to church that keeps you in there for three hours? It don't take all that. I've encountered something. You, you don't understand what happened to me under that mantle. You don't, you don't understand what I felt. You weren't there that day when his power fell on me. You, you weren't a part of that experience. And because you're comfortable sitting on the outside, you're looking at what I'm about to give up, but you don't know what I'm about to gain following this. I got to see this through. He says, Elijah says to him, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. I told you that any time you decide that you want something from God, God is going to test your hunger. Every step of the way, he's saying, it's okay, you can stop now if you want to. It's okay to settle here if you want to. I'm not going to make you go on. I'm not going to make you come into the prayer closet. You come when you want to. I'm not going to make you open your Bible. You come when you want to. I, I'm not, I'm not going to make you love me. You come when you want to. I'm not going to make you stay at that church. You have to decide what you want. You have to. You can go back to your wealth. You can go back to your life. All the provision. You can go back to it if you want to. But you've got to decide what you want. The Bible says, now 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and he folded it together and struck the waters and they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. It's amazing to me that the prophets who knew what was about to happen stood afar off. They're close enough to see what's happening. They're close enough to criticize what's happening. They're close enough to watch. They got an opinion about what's about to happen, but they're not a part of what God is doing. This is what happens when you become religious. You create your own echo chambers, and you guys are feeding on each other. But you're robbing yourself of God experiences that have a price because you think you're far enough, you're spiritual enough. We hear God too. And isn't that what, what they said in the wilderness to Moses? We hear God too. You know what God said? I, I, I know God is not trying to be funny in the Old Testament, but I thought it was funny. God came down. The Bible says, and the Lord heard it. They weren't talking to God, but God said, hold on, let me. Let me, let me, let me explain something to you. Because you said you hear from God. If there's a prophet among you, I'll talk to him to dreams. But Moses? That's, that's my friend. You're not on the same level. You're not on the same level. I need to correct your perception. Some of you... You, you, you read your Bible a couple times, you saw God do a little bit, and now you think you're on the same level as somebody that has paid in blood, sweat, and tears. They have history with God. You, you will get yourself in trouble. Listen to me. 
you will get yourself in trouble trying to level yourself and disrespect people who are friends of God. You'll get yourself in trouble. It's dangerous territory. I've seen some stuff happen. I said, God, have mercy. Because people think God is playing about his. I, I personally have seen and watched men of God who've done some off-the-wall stuff. And you know what I did? I shut my mouth. I shut my mouth. I had an opinion, but I didn't vocalize it. I had an opinion. I remember, I, I remember I saw this one man, a guy, and he said something so off the wall. I was like, yo, this is wild. You said that on TV? And the Lord said to me, don't judge the totality of a person by a moment in time. He's more than that moment. Everybody has stupid moments, but he's more than that moment. You upset with your leader because he didn't do something. Everybody has moments they miss it, but he's more than that moment. Elijah has an inheritance coming because he saw beyond the humanity of the man he was following. You, you think it was easy to follow Elijah? This is the same man that called down fire on three troops of men. Well, two troops. The third one got, he got, that, the third one. Third one said, yo, we, we, need a, we need a plan. They said, listen. Yeah, the king said this, but it was not easy to follow Elijah. Elijah was a no-nonsense prophet. He was a type of prophet that made kings afraid. Can you imagine walking into Ahab's court and saying, hey, listen, my name is Elijah. I'm the Tishbite. It's not going to rain until I say so. Peace out. He's a bad man. The king, he's not worried about them cutting off his head. He's not worried about the guards. Y'all will not lay a finger on me. Won't lay a finger on me. He's a bad man. But that don't make it easy to follow. Can you be hidden? Because see, what you don't realize is, while you're being hidden, you're being incubated. God is preserving you from exposing your foolishness prematurely. You think you're ready, but there's aspects of you that, have, that are ready to rise when you get on the platform and you don't know it. So God is saying, I'm still dealing with some stuff out of you. There's a reason why Joseph was in the pit for a long time. There's a reason why he was in Potiphar's house for a long time. There's a reason why he was in the prison two years after he prophesied to these men. There's a reason God says, I see some things inside of you. You got to decide what you want. The prophets were close enough to be accessible, but not close enough to be accountable. They respected the anointing, but only one man honored it. There's a difference between respect and honor. There's a law of honor. There's no law of respect. There is a law of honor that opens up doors. There's a law. It's a spiritual principle. 
even when those you're following are not doing what's correct, if you honor them, God looks at your response. Let me keep going because we got to get somewhere. The Bible says when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I should do for you. Listen to me. (laughs) His ability to disappear and his ability to serve opens up the door for a question that did not appear for anyone else. What do you want access to? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Understand this. The double portion was the portion that belonged to the firstborn. What is he saying? He said, I gave up my other inheritance. Now give me the inheritance of following you. I I disconnected from my other father. Give me the inheritance of being a firstborn out of your ministry. Give me the inheritance. Pour out your, he, he's, t- he's literally saying, I need your spirit. Now, he has enough wisdom to ask for the spirit of the man. It's a lowercase s when he says spirit. He's not asking for a double portion of anointing. We taught that incorrectly. He's not talking about the anointing. He's saying, I saw a spirit in you that allowed you to govern the anointing that was on your life. I saw a spirit in you that allowed you to govern the ca- by character. You were able to stay in a place where the anointing stayed on your life. I've seen other people that are prophets, but they don't move like you. I've seen other people that were prophets, but they don't call down fire. I've seen other people that have the same title, but they don't have the same glory. He said, I want everything that makes you you but I want double. Everything that makes you, you, I want it. I want the inheritance. I I want it. Because you need to understand that the anointing of God has to be stewarded by proper character. What am I saying? I'm saying mantles can fall and you can, you can, You can disqualify yourself because of character. You know what God said to Saul through Samuel? He said, said, God would have established your kingdom forever. He would have established your kingdom forever. But there were some decisions you made along the way. And the interesting thing is when you look at Saul's sin and you look at David's sin, David's sin was more egregious than Saul's sin. The problem was not they, the level of their sin. It was their response when they were found out. Character is more than not failing. How do you respond to your failure? How do you respond? When God Paul calls you out and says, you're the man, how do you, do you respond? The Bible says a lot, uh, that, that Saul grabbed the cloak of the prophet and tore it. And David fell on his face. Created me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit on the inside of me. Don't take your spirit from me. Don't cast me away from your presence. He found value in the presence of God. And the reason why God says he's a man after my own heart is because when he failed, he had already decided what he wanted. I'd rather have your presence than to have this kingdom. I'd rather have your presence than to have this crown on my head. I'd rather have your presence than to have this throne. And don't take your spirit from me. You, 
got to get to a point where you value. See, I, I was preaching this on my channel the other day, uh, uh, the other week. Maturity is a shift in your value system. When, when I was a child, if you came into my bedroom, I had posters on the wall. I had the Michael Jordan poster with the two arms out and the balls in each hand. I had, I had all this stuff. If you went by my bed, I, I, I had books, but they were on the floor because uh, they had fallen out of my backpack. And I had pictures and posters on the wall. If you come in my house now, there's no posters on the wall. There's pictures of my family. If you go to my, my nightstand, there are books. My wife will tell you I have stacks of books that are about spiritual growth and these men of God and women of God that have done tremendous things. Why? Because my value system shifted. Paul said when I was a child, I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I have to shift my value system. And the difference was Saul never stopped valuing the throne. David never stopped valuing the presence of God. You have to decide what you want. You got to decide what you want. And God is rebuilding the tabernacle of David because you got to decide what you want. Bless you, man of God. You got to decide. Listen, you have to decide. You got to decide. You got to sit down. The Bible says, the Bible says of, 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 of Abraham in the, in the book of uh, Hebrews, the Bible says uh, that, that when his body was dead, yes. right, his body was dead, it could not produce, that he still realized, let, let's go read it, Hebrews chapter 11, I want you to see this, because I'm going to read, I may read this in the, in the Amplified Bible, sorry, um, uh, media ministry, this is not there. Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, go to verse 18, verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and the one who had received the promises was offering up his only son. Notice that there's always a price. He says, it was, to, it was he to whom it was said, through Isaac, your descendants shall be named. Verse 19, he considered that God is able to raise people from the dead. Now hear me. The Bible says he considered that God was able to raise people from the dead. But Abraham has no precedent for resurrection. Did you hear what I said? The Bible said he considered that God was able to do something he'd never seen God do. There was no history of resurrection in Abraham's life. But when you look at the word considered, it's an accounting term. It means to balance the books. It means to reconcile. He looked over his life and he saw the faithfulness of God. He looked over his life and he saw God do the impossible. He looked over his life and he decided based on the information of what God had done, God is able to do this. You're going to have to decide. You're going to have to reconcile the books. You're going to have to count up the cost. You're going to have to, you're going to have to look over the faithfulness of God and decide, is he worth pursuing or am I just going to be a normal Christian? You, 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 know, you know the devil's okay with you being a churchgoer? He's all right with that. He's not, he's not bothered by that. 
He's okay with you filling that pew. He's okay with you taking a praise break. He's okay with you crying at this altar. He's not okay with you saying yes with your life. He's not okay with that. He's not okay with that. The Bible says that Elijah asked him, what is it that you want? What verse did we leave off on? 2 Kings chapter 2 verse. Okay, let's go back to verse 9. And when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask me what shall I, I shall do for you before I am taken. And Elijah said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Verse 10. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me, if you see me, if you see me when I'm taken from you, if your eyes are open, if, you're <laughs> if your eyes are open, you can see. If you can see, if you can see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. If you can see me, if your eyes are fixed on what you really want, if your eyes are watching those that are on the bank, you're going to miss this. But if, <laughs> if your eyes are watching the other prophets, you're going to miss this. But if you keep your eyes on what you really want, if your eye be single, your whole body's full of light. If, if your eye is single, my light will flood your life. All the things that you believe in me for. If you can just keep your focus on the thing that you say you really want. He said, it'll be done for you. And as they were walking along and talking, behold, a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire, and they separated the two of them. Then Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. And Elisha was watching it, and he cried out, my father, my father. Notice that he did not say my boss. He doesn't say my manager. He's talking to the one that birthed him into a new dimension. He's talking... <laughs> See, we got to start valuing men of God again. We got to start valuing fathers again. We got people who are underappreciating the gift that's living before them. And they don't realize it's because of that you can't gleam anything. And you are sitting there waiting on God to give you something, but you don't understand how God works. Because when God releases graces into the earth, he releases them through men. And you've got to go to that man to get it. Notice the, the mantle of Elijah didn't fall on everyone. Catherine Kuhlman died. When she died, the, 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 the story goes that she was in the hospital, and, and, and when she died, the whole entire floor filled up with the smell of roses, but there were no roses there. And it was so significant that the hospital started asking, who brought these roses in here? Because she loved roses. And the Lord, when he came to get her... <laughs> You better be careful how you treat friends of God. When he came together, he filled the atmosphere with the thing that she loved to remind everyone how much she meant to him. And when she died, she did not have a successor. But there was a man named Benny Hinn who was hungry. He had never met her personally, but he was hungry for the move of God. He saw her in her. And God saw somebody who had decided that they were willing to pay the price for what they saw. 
and the mantle of Catherine Kuhlman fell on a man who never was trained under her ministry because he found a man that was hungry. There's a man, the Bible talks about uh, a Joshua who was who's following Moses. And, he, and the Bible says even when Moses came out of the tent of meeting, he stayed there in the presence of God. He was learning what other people were not fond of. They were withdrawing from the presence of God. He was staying in the tent. Moses on, is on top of the mountain in the cloud. The people are down there throwing a party and building idols. And the Bible says Joshua is living in between. He's not with the crowd, but he's not in the cloud. He's, he's not experiencing all that Moses is, but he cannot go back to where he was. He has decided, if I cannot be there, I'll be close enough to be close to the fire. Because you have to decide what you want. And, it, and, 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 if, and if what I choose moves me into isolation, it's okay. If I lose my friend circle, it's okay. If I, I decided, I decided, I have decided, I follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. He decided, I cannot be in the crowd. I found something in the cloud. I heard the voice of God from afar, and I know that he's real, and I cannot go back. I cannot, I cannot go back to just being in the crowd. I cannot go back to just being a follower. I cannot just go back. And when God decided it was time for Moses to have a successor, there's no conversation. There's no other candidate. The Bible says that God took of the spirit of Moses and put it on 70 men, and none of them are candidates. None of them are candidates because even though they had his spirit, they did not have his pursuit. You, you, <laughs> they didn't have his fervor to go after God. He's available, but they're not pursuing. When God would come down, they would stay inside their tents. Because there's a price. There's a price. And the Bible says, Elijah saw it. He cried out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them in two pieces. And he took up the mantle of Elijah. God, I feel the glory. He took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he returned. And now he's standing. He's standing by the bank of the Jordan that he passed through with the man of God. And the man of God is gone. And he's not even sure that he got what he was hoping for because he didn't feel anything. He didn't feel anything. No lightning, no goosebumps. He didn't buck. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't pass out. He's not on the ground. He didn't fall down as dead. No angels appeared. He just, all he had was a promise. If you see me, because you have to see where you're going. He said, if you keep your eyes on this mantle. This mantle will belong to you. You'll get what you asked for. He's standing at the water. And the Bible says he takes up the mantle that fell from him and he struck the waters. He says, where is the God of Elijah? And that was the day that the God of Elijah became the God of Elisha. Yes. 
Listen to me. God, I feel the glory of God. Mantles are falling. Mantles are falling. We've, we've watched great men of God pass away in the last several years. God is not going to release that grace into the earth and when a person dies, lift it off of the earth. He's waiting. He's waiting for somebody to say, yes, God, I'll say yes to you with my life. Yes, I'm, I've decided what I really want. I've decided this is who I am. I've decided that you've called me to be more than just an average Christian. I've decided. Interesting thing to me was that the Bible says that when he crossed back over, that same school of the prophets was there talking again. Well, let us go look for his body. We don't know if the Lord picked him up and tossed him somewhere. Threw him up on a mountain. Isn't it interesting how carnal the prophets were? You said he was about to be taken from me. That was your words. And now you don't know what happened to him. looking. He's looking for altars. He's looking for altars where he can send his fire. He's looking for yeses. He's, God is tired of maybes. He's looking for yeses. He's looking for people who say, man, this life is Nothing without you. It's nothing. I have decided. I decided what I want. He received the impartation that was otherworldly. And I'm telling you tonight, I oh God, listen to me. I said, the Lord came to me, and he said, I want you to preach this tonight. I said, Lord, I know what you're doing. I don't want to do this. But the Lord said, every person that decides that they want it, tell them to come. And God said, I'm going to pass out man. So some, listen to me, some of you. Some of you fire is going to hit tonight 